Welcome to the Magic Minds Podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Today's special guest is Steve Gunn. Steve, what's the crack? How are you doing? How's it going? Guys, I've asked Steve to come on the show because he's an actor from Fair City. Mm. He's an MC, singer, yoga guru, lord of gratuity from all the things I've read about him. <laughs> and anything I've, I've heard about him, he spent some time in the National Rehab. We'll get into that in a bit. Not as a patient, mm. as a kind of a method actor. Right. So he, he has a really interesting story on a life and I'd love to just to tap into it. So that's why I've asked Steve to come on the show and, and share some of his uh, life with us. Cool. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Steve. Pleasure. Okay, you know, you're an actor and all that. Give us a little background to your history into to acting, let's yeah. say. Yeah, so when I was in school uh, and it was getting near the kind of leaving time, I was like, what am I going to do? And I was into music. So I think the first thing I wanted to do was be like a rock and roll star, the next Jim Morrison or something like that. And uh, that was my thing for a while. And then um, I was, I'd be playing, like I'd be playing a John Lennon song and I'd be kind of taking on the character of John Lennon when I'm singing it. So that kind of led me to the idea of acting, you know. So then I went to the Gaiety School uh, part-time. There was another fella in there doing the full-time course, Colin Farrell. And uh, I never know. I don't know what happened to him. Colin Farrell and Alan anyway. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Funny, I used to He's deliver... He's in that film, phone box, isn't it? Or phone booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to deliver um, newspapers and collect money for newspapers around Castleknock. And I remember he came up to me one day and was like, uh, here, Gunnar... Uh, what do you call it? I'll give you a black eye and take that bike and sell it and split the money. And I was like, you're all right, man. So he was like, even though people think he puts on the act, he, he was a bit of a headbanger. Was he, yeah? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Just a bit of a wild kid, you know. But anyway, there I am in the gate doing the part-time uh, acting classes and I was enjoying it. And then I got involved with a, a theatre company in Newbridge called Crooked House. It's a girl called Yvonne was in the course and they were putting on shows and stuff. So I sort of did some gigs with them, you know. And mm. that's then I just I've been at it ever since, you know. That's kind of how I get into it. Yeah, when you're saying there you, in school, creativity and all that mm-hmm. is from my uh, days of school. Creativity yeah. wasn't supported, or you know, it was either get yourself a leaving cert, get yourself a trade. Yeah. There's only two routes. Okay, what was that like for you then? I don't know. Like, um, I suppose I was always in my own little world on my own little buzz kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I went to Belvedere College just around the corner there. So it was a big rugby playing school. And uh, I guess everyone else was thinking about going to college and becoming doctors and lawyers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I just, I just, I was on my own little buzz and I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention to what. You were oblivious to everything else going of, around. Just in my own little bubble, yeah. So uh, I was really like, I don't want to get a nine to five job. I don't want to get a normal job. I want to do something that engages me imagination or whatever. So I just always had that in me, you know, and it's a, a blessing and a curse, you know. Yeah. Was any teachers in your school influential on that or? I, I spoke to another actor, Steve Jones, and yeah. his, his parents were quite supportive, and I thought that was mm. deadly. Mm. Uh, what about what were your folks like? They were grand, you know. They were reluctantly supportive, you know what I mean? Like, they used to say things like, whatever makes you happy, I suppose. Uh, but I, I could I could always sense that they would have preferred if I'd got, a, like, a degree in accounting or something. And sometimes, you know, my inner parent goes, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So... Yeah, but no, they're very good to me um, in that way. Cool. So, you're, where I've known you from and yeah. people have talked to me about is your, your time in Fair City. Sure. Give us a, give us a little insight to that. Yeah, well, just to... You played Dan. I did play Dan, yeah, yeah. So, like, I whatever, I left school 17, 18 or whatever, and then I was doing plays, profit share shows, and then occasionally I'd get, like, an ad on the telly or something like that. 
um, and little short films and things like that. And then like it was, I remember in zero four, I was in a production of the Scottish play because it's bad luck to say Macbeth. Do <laughs> oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. What What do you mean? Say that. Tell me about that. What's that? It's just bad luck to say it because as an actor, say, you can't say Macbeth. If If you want to buy into the superstitious stuff, you know, uh, I'll see you in the emergency room next week, and we're about like run over for saying it. Oh, bollocks! I'm only. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, I did the show in Zero Four with Crooked House, and I also got a call to go into Fair City to play a a character with a couple of scenes over a couple of weeks. Kind of a gangster guy who shows up and makes a few threats and uh, that was grand and then t- I just started driving a taxi right because I'd be working in bars and restaurants and sometimes for my old man with a cash register company um, and I went I started driving this cab and I did a couple of weeks in Fair City and I did that play and then that was the end of that and I drove the taxi then for 10 years and then like 10 years later in 14 I was back in Fair City but I got a much bigger part than the part of Dan. You were actually out on Dublin City driving a taxi. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's the own character research, you know what I mean? <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, part of it, yeah. But the other part was like, was just making a bit of, a few quid, waiting Savage. for it. You know. In my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to get me a big break. I'll just drive this cab now for a couple of months and then like, then I'll be in a Hollywood film. Everything will be grand. Was that the talk? Kind of, yeah. You have to be a little bit delusional uh, in order to pursue dreams and things, you know? So, uh, I yeah. I find that one bit of delusion. I think that's deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a healthy delusion. Oh, I live the dream. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, so, you're baiting around the taxi. Yeah, yeah. And then it'd be... Like, I got a really good gig. Um, What year was that now? Maybe it's 2011. Uh, I was actually sitting in the cash, you know, the where the taxis wait for the... I'd work at a lot in the airport quite a bit. I'd be watching The Sopranos on the laptop or whatever. And sometimes the flights would come and I'd be annoyed because I'd be in the middle of watching an episode or something. <laughs> so that, you know, that was how I rolled. Yeah. But I got this phone call from a fellow who was involved in Crooked House Newbridge and he was saying, um, I need a lend of a camera, a video camera, you know. And I was like, oh, I don't really know anyone. Uh, and it was actually my mate Lynchy rang me. He says, do you know anyone with a video camera? And I was in a bad mood. And I was like, no, I don't. But, you know, we'll talk to you later. And then I was sitting there going, do I know anyone? And then I thought of, what's his name in Crooked House? I says, I'll ring him, you know. And I rang him. I said, have you got that camera, the Crooked House camera? And he goes, yeah, yeah. So when we make once, can I, can I borrow it? He's like, oh, I can't, you can't lend it to you, you know? And then I'm like, all right, whatever. And I was about to hang up and I said, how are you? But I didn't really care how he was. I was just being nice. He says, I'm grand, yeah, yeah. I just auditioned for this thing called Titanic Blood and Steel. It's a huge, big TV show, you know? And I was like, who's casting that? And he's like, it's a woman called Leo Davis. And I was like, oh, fair play to you, man. Hope it goes well, you know? Hung up the phone looked up Leo Davis managed to bang off an email heard you're doing this show if there's any chance of a, an audition that'd be great got an audition right and um, I had to learn a, I think a couple of scenes and it was in a northern accent which is I was born in Northern Ireland a lot of family up there so that was handy and I, I wasn't having a boozy week I was one of those weeks where I was going to the gym and I, I was fresh and I ran the scene with a few mates and really kind of was like I'm going to get this you know and went in and got it. So that was great. So then I'm on an aeroplane with Carl Shields to Serbia. And we like Nev Campbell's over there and your man off Big from Sex in the City and Derek Jacobi, who's Olivier's kind of protege. So that was an unbelievable gig, you know. 
and it's, the sun is shining you know and I was like oh I'm definitely finished with the taxi driving now but of course I came back and started driving the cab again and then I got the call for Fair City and uh, then I finally stopped taxi driving and now I play music in bars how you doing how you doing <laughs> totally can we yeah. just I just want to ask you yeah. you're saying about the taxi driving yeah. did, did, did that I know it's a you know you're saying you wanted to give it up but sure did you did, was there any benefit here because you look back and go like yeah a time of it, it produced creativity was yeah. this, did that come out with character wise or anything in you that was yeah, but you, I mean when you start talking about acting and character and all that stuff there's always a danger you'll sound like an arsehole do you know but I think that uh, like people go people come straight out of school and then they go to drama school and then they start doing shows and then they start doing films and maybe their knowledge of real people in real life isn't what it could be or should be absolutely and I definitely think it informed and it grounded me a lot like I, I might have been with my head up in the clouds a bit more but if you want a dose of reality like drive a cab you know what I mean say there was some stories uh, there wasn't there wasn't like one of the thing one of the things that surprised me I think was that uh, I thought I'm going to meet so many different people from all different walks of life and everyone's going to have these different attitudes to life and that's kind of true but I, I actually found more of a commonality between people do you know what I mean and everyone's just trying to get from one part of the day to the next whether they're you know loaded or fucking on the scratcher or just out of prison or I've actually dropped two lads down to court one day and they were, I was like uh, what are you in for and I was like oh we robbed a taxi driver and I was like okay and then we just kind of carried on talking and it was grand and they got out and said thanks very much and gave me a tip you know was he taking the know. piss no I think they were deadly serious Jeez. maybe they were taking the piss yeah, yeah. but uh, no I think I think they were serious yeah so it was good yeah in fact I did an ad with Lenny Abrams and you know your man who made that film Room mm. I did a drink sensibly ad which people used to take the piss out how of ironic down the pub yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I remember one day I was I was fecked off and I was sitting there fed up in the cash and his film had just been reviewed Room I think had just been reviewed or maybe it was what, what Richard did had just been reviewed by Mark Kermode you know that um, BBC Radio 5 live movie show and I was friends with him on Facebook and I just sent him a message and I was like, oh, listen, just I love listening to Kermode and he just gave you a film, a great review and hope all's well, you know. And he got back straight back to me and I was like, oh, I'm not up to much at the moment, I'm just driving a cab, but, you know, fingers crossed. And he messaged me back straight away and he was like, oh, fair play to you, Steve, I do remember you from the ad. and That's great that Kermode loved the film and I'm glad it's doing so well. And sure, I'm sure you learn lots from the different characters that get into your cab, you know. So I think you need those little injections of hopefulness yeah to, that's to, two that's two things you've just told me there that you've made phone calls or texts yeah created opportunities for you I suppose so you gotta reach out don't you oh yeah, you gotta you gotta yeah. you, you, the, well, the now, grind Lenny is real he hasn't offered me a job what he hasn't offered me a job right he just offered me encouragement yeah well you better listen to the podcast <laughs> did, and fucking yeah. get on this <laughs> fucker uh, you, you've laid Dan in it and I read yeah. somewhere I, I'm sorry you know, I hope you don't give out to me Dan I'm not a fair city fan I didn't watch too right. much of it right. I was too busy watching Crossroads and Glenrow okay uh, he, he he was accused or he was it was a rape scene or he, he, he sexually assaulted yeah, yeah. Were, you, were you worried about that as an actor that that might in a way some people get uh Labeled or sure. you know, carry into your personal life. Was there is there any concern about something? I don't know much about acting around that. Well, see, that was kind of my exit storyline. Right. You know what I mean? Like I was, I then joined a cult and there was a siege and I was shot with a flare gun and then had a funeral. Um, so I'd mixed feelings about it. I was like, uh, you know, uh, 
I was 50-50 about staying in the show, you know, one foot in the door and the other ready to run. And then they told me that I had this big storyline and it was going to end up with me dead. <laughs> yeah. So part of me was like, that's great, that's loads of work and it's going to be really fun to do. Right. And then also, uh, I'll be looking for another job after that, you know. Back on the scratcher. Yeah, but I think my kind of playing a, a, because people who'd got to know that character from watching it had an idea of him yeah, I don't know. I just think it was interesting to play. And I think when you when you hear all the stuff about the priests, you know, and the kids and stuff, uh, often in, in drama, sex offenders are painted as these monsters, but they can actually be friendly people. Oh, absolutely. You just can't leave them alone with the kids. Yeah. You know, so this was a guy, and there was a really good um, thing on YouTube. Is it a TED Talk with a couple, right? And uh, they went around the world giving this TED Talk and, this guy had raped this girl and uh, there was drink involved and all that stuff and then they'd started communicating and she wanted him to apologise for doing what he did and he was in denial for ages going I didn't these were the two giving the TED talk yeah it's unbelievable talk the predator and the victim yeah what the fuck yeah Uh, but they were actually kind of friendly it wasn't like he grabbed her over a bush or whatever but um, that was really interesting to watch uh, as part of the research or whatever but in terms of the public reaction, yeah, I was, I, I thought I might have had people calling me names, walking in the street and that. But I think people had been so used to me over the years, they kind of just went, ah, should they just did that to him? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If I was an actor, that's probably yeah. the last thing in the world I'd want to play is like somebody any involved in a sex offence. Or yeah, yeah. You want to have a strong, a strong sense of self. Sure. Yeah, well, no, I think I'd be just wouldn't be bothered but I, I know who I am and I know when I'm playing a character it's different deadly mm. savage savage yeah, yeah. I read in uh, I read an article that you you done a, an interview in and they said you know actors you know the struggles of being an actor in Ireland sure. and they need second jobs okay. I don't know if I was in that interview no it might have been you know that to, to, to have an, a, an acting job you, yeah. you definitely need to have a side job on the you know you don't make as much money as people would Perceive. I think I know that. I think my picture was attached to an article that went. Was up. it? Yeah. The fuckers. I don't mind. It's just. I think that was like a, a thing in the pay. Another thing you're talking about. Um. Well, if you're lucky enough to be in steady work, then you don't need another job, you know. And some actors um get the scratcher in between gigs, you know, and then other actors do other stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not an easy job to get a cont- That's one of the great things about Fair City. It's a it's consistent. It's a decent role. It's consistent, yeah. 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 But like, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a, whatchamacallit, a Michelin star chef, you know, you'll work for pittance for years. Um, and then eventually, like, you might get a star and you make a load of money. Happy days. That's when you <laughs> drive around the taxi in the meantime. If you're going to be a doctor, you're going to do six years, six years of medical skill. Do you the, know what I mean? The grind is real. You just the have to keep. The real, man. Struggle's real. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what voice then would you give to the kids, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen? I said, you know, they have stay these, in school, get a real job, get a trade, yeah. be a plumber, be a be a window cleaner. Well, funny, I I would think of the accountancy for some reason because I used to, I would conduct interviews. I was one of those annoying cab drivers. What what would you do? What you do when you left school is one of my favorite questions because people always go off on it. That's what you you asked me that when I, I first know, met yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So what were you doing? The trademark thing. Is it, yeah? Yeah, but it, from all research, I think accountancy. I think 
advice to give to kids is get a degree in accountancy. There's actually an actor in Dublin who's also an accountant, and uh, he does well. He's a good actor too. Yeah. So is that the advice you would you take to yeah. stay in school? But no, say they wanted. Let's say they said you, I want to do acting, I want to do drama, whatever, whatever. What kind yeah. of advice would you give to these kids? I suppose follow follow your dreams, follow your heart if that's what you're into. But like, just be sensible about it and be aware that have a look at um, the place you're in, which is Dublin, and the opportunities for work. You know what's on TV, what's on the stage, and maybe talk to people in the trade and ask them what it's like and research your career. You know. Yeah, I think social media has an awful way of this distorting reality okay you know whether you want to be a boxer so if you mm. want to be a boxer you look mm. at sky sports and you think mm. everyone's going to be like Anthony joshua yeah. or if you look at any other sports say mma conor mcgregor yeah, yeah. and you look at acting or actors whatever you think everything's going to be glam and glitz sure, sure. you know what i mean but at the at the bottom of any ladder where you have yeah. this kick off yeah it's that it's quite you know brutal and hard Absolutely. to get a break yeah i met a i met a when I did leave school, I actually went to Germany and joined the circus, which I'm sort of proud of. But it was kind of by accident. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I went to Germany because people were saying, oh, Germany's good to go to work for the summer. And then I couldn't find a job. And there was a circus there. I got a job in the circus. And one of the dudes who worked there was actually a, a boxer. And uh, someone said to me, oh, your man's a boxer. From, someone from Eastern Europe. And I was like, oh, I'd love to learn how to do a bit of boxing. I must ask him, would he teach me some moves, you know? So he says, um, I hear, you know, you do a bit of boxing. Will you, will you teach me some, some stuff? And he goes, yeah, I'll see you at six o'clock tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll start training. I was like, no, no, I was hoping you'd just so, show me some. Because uh, <laughs> if you want me to train you, I'll see you at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was like, no, it's okay. He didn't want it that much. No. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's it. That's the uh, that's uh, the golden rule. You want something. You, you got to graft. You got to put in the... Yeah, but I, I'm not against the idea that there's someone who just has a natural ability to to act or something like that and then they get an audition they get a job and they get another job and they end up and they don't um break their bollocks to do it they just happen to have whatever that thing is you know that's fair enough too like this like i mean there's painters who could spend fucking all hours of every day painting but they mightn't be good you know and yeah. then someone might just pick up a brush one day and sell it for a million quid like that's fair enough like i don't have a problem with that we're going off on my man no, that's good. I like mm-hmm. it. I like mm-hmm. it. It's, it's a great insight. Uh, yeah, it's again. It no matter what you do, isn't it? You just either put in the graph. Hopefully, your uh, your luck is in. Yeah. Or if you're if you have any nepotism going on for your family sure, members, sure. is is the acting world full of that? I know Ireland's full of nepotism and friends of families and. Well, you, you know, got like the Shoe-ins the, the Gleason sons, uh, Brian and Donald, but they're both deadly actors and they're both yeah. lovely fellas. So I'd never begrudge them that, you know. Uh, so yeah, there's gonna be. I mean, that's old school, isn't it? Like your dad's a butcher, and then you go into being a butcher, you know? Yeah, like politics. Sure. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about politics let's or the not Pope. Go there, man. Speaking of politics, I see mm. you, you've been doing the dirt on me. What's the story? Podcast mug is over there at the back it of your wall. Yeah. I'm gonna break that before yeah. I leave. Oh, no, look, they they told Saps. me that this was the second best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually listened to a couple of shows. They're deadly. Yeah, Graham's a good friend, and Danny's the same fella too. Right, you you spend a little time in the NIH, yes. the National Rehabilitation Hospital, where I work. Yes. How did you get in there? What was the story on that? Well, it was it was through the. So, like just a, a broad thing of Dan. When I arrived in, in Fair City as Dan, I I was ex army, and I on my first day I had like I don't know eighteen scenes or something. 
which was a bit overwhelming because I'd been kicking around for years you know on, on doing low budget shorts and profit share theatre I was up for the let's just do this you know and that was grand and then um, I had this whole backstory about I put this guy in a coma I worked as a as a bouncer and left him in a state of paralysis and then my old friend uh, Robbie from the army showed up um, and then it was messing with different women and all this stuff um, so that's just a background to Dan you know but, and then what happened to Dan was two of the women he was involved with had a bit of a row in the in the cellar of the station bar and there was a gas leak and I went down to to tell him to get to get out and then I got blown up uh, and ended up with a spinal injury so before we did this story I'd been on the show maybe I don't know two years by then year and a half they were like we've got this big storyline coming up and we're going to try and do it justice and we're going to go out to the NRH and talk to people and uh, really you know try and do this story justice you know so we don't insult people who savage that's brilliant know. well done for so I was yeah that was that was exciting so that's how I got we all went out in a, in a cab one day to the NRH and uh, were shown around and I met Mark Bar- Barry then who yeah. coaches the Ballyrack Bulls yeah do you know I'm, Mark do you? oh absolutely Mark's yeah, yeah. a legend I think it's his birthday today happy today birthday, happy birthday coach. Mark Barry yeah right. coach Barry yeah, yeah. He's, he's really inspirational coach yeah. he's, I've never met a in more enthusiastic person yeah you know, we've done it. We do a bit of work together with the transition year students come into the NIH to do okay. some work placements. I me and him do. We run a wheelchair basketball. We give him a dig out. Oh, deadly! But he just oozes mm. enthusiasm and passion. And he's an animal player. Takes though. no prisoners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, great guy. So I told him I was coming to meet you. Oh, very good. So he sends his regards. Oh, and nice, nice. Gone. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing about him that day was, someone went, "Oh, Mark, Mark does the basketball," you know. And I, my eyes lit up, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool," you know. But he was kind of, uh, he kind of played hard to get a bit about it. He wasn't like, oh, you know, you should definitely come out and join the team, Renton. But and we threw some hoops, and you know, yeah. he was a bit standoffish about it. You know, wheelchair basketball is brilliant. Crack. No, it's deadly. But then Graham Merrigan hit me up on Twitter and went, "We train every Monday, just buzz out." So I went, "Fuck it, right?" And I went out on a Monday. And I just kept showing up. Yeah, Mark was and like, I this fella give it a couple of weeks, then he'd fuck off. Yeah, yeah. But you just kept back. I kept for, going, yeah. For about two years or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Until, until I finished on the, on the show, really, you know. Yeah. And it was great then, because sometimes with Fair City, be in for a few months and out for a few months. Um, so when I was off, I was still going to train, and still going to matches. So then I'd come in and I'd be whizzing around the chair and everyone's like, oh, look at you, you're great in the wheelchair or whatever. And that's part of that. But also, like, I became very close with the team. Um and we went trips down the country and all the tournaments and stuff and it was you know it'd be some weeks you'd be you'd be maybe you'd have a few weeks off and you'd be a, you'd be a bit like oh Jesus what am I doing and then you go off and play a match and I was never into sport or like I was until around the junior cert and then I discovered disco dances and things like that and uh, but then it re re inspired or re ignited a passion that I used to have as a kid for sport you know yeah so. It's great. Love it. And it's a lot of... Love it is actually an American phrase. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so I'm loving it. Yeah, that's McDonald's. But, uh, uh, yeah, what... Even, and did I, it I open your eyes to uh, the Chair difficulty. position. Yeah? It opened my eyes to chair position. It's all about chair position and picks and rolls. <laughs> what? Say that again? Picks and rolls. I'm still not sure if I fully understand it, but you pick a player and then the other player rolls by. Oh, right. that's that's a little tactic, is it? Yeah, yeah. Pick it's and roll. Yeah, yeah. 
I've actually haven't explained that right till I kill me. No, I thought, yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, another another thing we did was uh, Anne-Marie, one of the searches, went out one day and met a guy who'd just recently been, he woke up a morning with um, a virus and lost the, the use of his, his legs. And he was deadly to talk to because he was just honest about what it was like and with the, the first time he went for a pint and, and, and people he was a bit annoyed about the way people had talked to him, you know, when he's in a chair and it's sometimes people overcompensate or something. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Try to be too nice. Yeah. 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 Instead of treating like a human being. Exactly. Yeah. So did he, he, he what I was trying to say to him a minute ago, uh, sorry. sorry for talking over you. Oh, uh, did he give you an appreciation for people with disabilities and in wheelchairs? Did he yeah. give you an insight? It did give me an insight. Yeah. And I was, I was cautious actually towards the end, I sometimes sometimes I think I was too polite with not asking people about what it's like to be in a chair, you know. Yeah. I just kind of went and played basketball and, and kind of learned by osmosis, or whatever. Yeah. You know. Sometimes you don't have to have them conversations. Not relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's about yeah. it's about social emotional intelligence. Some you might say some you mightn't. Yes. These people are wrong. Social emotional intelligence is definitely something I'm still working on. Oh look, it's it's a, it's a life. I'm trying you to get a lady. I'm trying to get a lady on called Eva Doherty. She's okay. a psychologist, a doctor in psychology. Brilliant. But she gave a presentation on emotional intelligence in the hospital, mm. and it's it's one of the primal things we need to learn to help communicate and develop the relationships. world with that shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An interesting one, as you're saying, that people don't recognise people in wheelchairs. I had a girl on there a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, Sasha Decker, right? And she's a platinum card holder for one of the airlines, and they were doing a survey, and uh, they were giving out the, the the surveys, and they didn't give them to her, and she's like, "What's the crack? You didn't give me one there." Yeah, and she goes, "Sorry, we don't uh, we don't see people in wheelchairs as passengers, so your your survey wouldn't be relevant." Oh, yeah. How'd you like them apples? Bizarre, that's a, man. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that's a human being and also then a platinum card holder for the for the airline. Yeah. Nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's blew me away. Yeah, yeah. What was your, what was your, what was your, your insight and thoughts after spending some time and I'm always interested to hear what people thought when they go in mm. and do any kind of work or spend time in the national rehab. What right. was your, what was your experience like? Um, well, they're very welcoming and friendly and helpful, you know, which was great. Uh, and then, uh, Stuart, isn't it? Yeah. Asked me a few times to come out and, and play a bit of music, you know? Stuart sings your praise a lot. Yeah, good. No, he's a great dude, you know? Uh, and there was a couple of photography exhibitions. I actually emceed one of those. I heard, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. brought a, a certain persona and kill in the city. So you okay. Just up and like a duck, you know, with the feet underneath the water. So you just fake it till you make it. Exactly, man. But it's funny, as an ex-girlfriend of mine, Gail, at the time we went for a walk in the hills... And I was like, I've written this speech for the thing, you know. And uh, I read out the thing. And she's like, who do you think you are? Like, you're just some bloke off Fair City. Like, don't say a word of that. And I was like... What? <laughs> just cut the legs off you. No, but it was fair enough. I don't know. Anyway, it gave me a silly speech, you know. And it's weird, like, when you're playing an, a role on stage or on screen, you're given a script and you say the lines and it's not you. But then when you're standing up and you've got to say your own stuff... That becomes a, a different. It's a different skill set, as Liam Neeson would know. You know, he's this particular set of skills. But uh, yeah, so it was a little daunting actually to do that, and it gave me a little speech about the experience that I had now. But they were just great, um, and I, I've loved any time I went out there. There's just a, a, a lot of so much goodwill in the place. You know what I mean? 
Um, and in fairness, some of the gigs I've done out there, <laughs> there'd be people kind of going, what are you doing? So going, I'm playing because it's music week. And they're like, oh. And, you know, but that's grand too. And there's a nice man set up a PA in the in the garden. Ray Messa? Is it? Yeah. And he does the same. Oh, uh, who would that be? And he, he said he was, he said something about Damien Dempsey buying them a bus and all this kind of stuff. There's things you don't hear. Oh, happen, I know, you know who that is. Yeah. I can't think of his fucking name. Yeah. He was an ex-patient. Yeah, He actually right. had a brain injury. That's right. Yeah, he does work with U2 and U2 bought the bus or something. Okay, was it right? Yeah, U2, yeah. Bono yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was in the, I work in the, the RTU Rehabilitative Training Unit. Yeah, yeah. Brain Injury Programme. Yeah. So yeah, another guy. Jerry. Was it, I can't remember. A guy called Jerry. Yeah. I think of his name a second name, but Jerry, yeah, he was but long before I worked for there. For a long time, actually, I used to go out and borrowed a chair from there to go play in, in uh, Lachlanstown on Monday nights. Totally. And, and drop it back, you know. It's a great atmosphere in the place. I love yeah, it. And yeah, people no. hear that you work there like, oh, Jesus, that must be difficult. Yeah. It's not, man. As you said, it's welcoming. It's, it's yeah. progressive. It's positive thinking. You're doing something good for society. You know? It's, it's a sound. That's sound people. Offices, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just, sure, some days I'm in my office, I'm miserable anyway. Okay. So okay, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> True enough, man. Uh, the singing. Yeah. What's the crack with that? Oh, you just, I like you just to do, sing. I sing a few songs. Do you just sing covers? Do you write? I yeah, just sing covers now. Like when I... When I was about, uh, when I like when I left school, I put a band together and we sort of wrote our own tunes, and uh, we used to rehearse and we we actually got a. I did like a ten week taster course in the Gaiety School, you know, one night a week just to see if I was into acting or whatever. Mm. And there was a dude called Danon Brachnock who now lives in London and he's got on to be a filmmaker and so on, and he was working as a presenter for Echo Island on RTE. I remember, and he was like. Uh, have you got a band I was like yeah and he goes why don't you come out to the show so we recorded a track in, in La Hunda in Kinsilla and uh, went on the telly and sang this song you know and that was kind of fun and we did gigs in like Eamon Dorns and the music centre so that was my kind of I'm going to be a rock and roll star little buzz that I had going on and I I, I love music you know and I love playing songs but I, I haven't really written since then I did this movie there's a director called Frank Berry Who's who's made a film recently called Michael Inside? Oh yeah, uh, have you heard of that? It's I just started film. following him on Twitter. Yeah, I'm gonna ask him to come on the show. Yeah, well, he he's doesn't. From, talk. He's from Greystones, I think. I think he's from Clontarf, maybe. Oh, is he? Yeah. So where did I get Greystones from? I'm not sure. Right. Maybe he grew up there and then. Right. But we did this. Like I was about 20 years old, right? And I got this film, and I was the lead role in this film, and uh, we went up the Wicklow Mountains, and there was all these big camera trucks and I was like is that for us are they part of this like, yeah 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 and there's like a guy called Tim Fleming who's worked on the Gladiator and he, he's one of the best DOPs and another guy um, who's now Tamara who was Tim Lawless was on it too and he ended up working with him in Fair City anyway making this movie that's it now I'm a movie star right so bollocks to the music uh, when this film is released you know I'm going to be off in Hollywood now to the moon pray. sure and then it came out and it was like the Saturday night movie on RTE. It's a simple film about a guy who comes back from being away and his ex-girlfriend's about to get married to someone else. TV movie. And that's why I think Frank's kind of debut feature film, he kind of sees that as, a, as a, um, a feature film for cinema, whereas this was a television movie. Anyway, uh, that's kind of when I knocked the music on the head, you know, in terms of being a songwriter. And I got really into the drama 
and into doing plays and into doing short films. But I'm always like, there's a voice always in the, like all the other many, many voices in the back of all our heads saying, you know, man, you should write an album one day, you know. <laughs> and maybe I will, you know, because there's no, it, with certain types of music, you can be a blues man, you know, 75 years old in a suit. Joe you know? Cocker. Sure. There's loads of them. Yeah. So I'll never say never, but yeah, I kind of, now I just play covers. I do the odd uh, gig in pubs. What pubs are you doing? Um, wearing, are you? Down the Temple Bar, actually, most Saturday afternoons we're in there. Savage. Yeah, we're in there Wednesday night, and it's, I actually love it. It's a do you gig on your own, or you're with some? There's a friend of mine called Robert Osborne, or Ozzy. Ozzy. Um, and he's definitely touched with greatness. He's a just an excellent guitar player, and he's got, you know, he's got mojo, he's got spirit, he's got rock and roll in his soul. <laughs> Sounds like Hendrix. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. And his actually, I started playing with his girlfriend Carla, um, and then she wasn't really into the, the kind of diddly eye stuff that we have to do in the, in some of the pubs. Um, but she's a great soul singer as well, just a great singer, full stop, and guitar player too. Mean guitar, like a, she played mean blues, meaner than most dudes. Anyway, that's all the music stuff. But we played a gig the other night, and it's like you're there. There's maybe 150 people, and they're all if they're in that room in the Temple Bar, they're there for the music. They want to just hang out to go into the other room, you know. So when you, we, it's it's a weird thing to kind of get a crowd and really try and get under them and lift them up with some tunes. And it might be bleeding Neil Diamond or something, do you know what I mean? Sweet Caroline. Uh, yeah, but if you can get the crowd going and get them all cheering, it's a great feeling, man. It's kind of addictive. I must be addicted to applause and all that kind of stuff, do you know? That's yeah. your, your singing, your singing yeah. career. Yeah, it's my singing career, man. Deadly, I love <laughs> it. I talk about now yoga. We want to talk about the pockets of Ireland, pockets of pubs. There's yeah. so many pockets of pubs to have talent like that, isn't sure, there? Like, yeah. Like on undiscovered talent. Like around. Yeah. Because I've been to lots of pubs. You go, how are these people not making it? Yeah, yeah. Well, in a way, they are making it. They're going down the pub and they're singing and they're just doing it, you know? Yeah, and That's yeah, enough yeah. That's in true. some ways. Yeah, but I think also when I first was playing in bands and stuff, apart from maybe David Gray or whatever, it was all techno and dance music and... That's another reason I kind of left it alone. But it feels like there's more bands. I'm not really sure, actually, the music scene. I listen to old stuff. At the moment, I'm all about Iggy Pop. Cool. Know? Yeah. Deadly. Yeah, what about you? I listen to anything. I could mm. listen to Westlife, uh, Stevie Wonder, anything yeah. that goes yeah. on already, anything that has a, a beat to it. Anything sure. and depends on the mood. I like yeah. Michael Bublé. I like Diana Ross. Anything, kind of, mm. just... Mm. I'm quite eclectic. I do love Lionel Richie, probably be my favourite. Ah, fair play, man. Easy um, like a Sunday morning. Ah, that's yeah, me, yeah. yeah that's I love true. it. My yeah. mate is over in Vegas at the moment, and him and his missus are uh, dear actress at Lionel Richie. She's 70 years of age, and she's wow. banging out the tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to see him in concert here loads of times, mm. and he just plays no warm up, no fluting around, yeah, just yeah. goes at it. Yeah. Savage. Brian Wilson was in Vicar Street last night, actually, from the Beach Boys. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> you know. Danny, yeah, uh, Lionel, good old lad, good old lad. Yeah. So what got you into, I'm just looking at your books on the wall there, it's okay. a lot of uh, kind of well, spiritual stuff. A friend of mine, okay, what are you looking at? Just to so see India and a few other things there, so you're into the yoga, how yeah, did you get yeah. into that? Are you um, a fan of spirituality and or is it just the, the yoga? Or <clears throat> uh, Am I a fan of spirituality? Y- yes and no, like... I'm into, so, so when I started on Fair City I was like, right, I have this gig, this is a good gig what if this dries up? What am I going to do then? And I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go. And funny, I nearly trained up as a Bikram yoga instructor. Hot yoga. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I was like, I'm going to sell the cab, I'll sell the play. I'm going to go and become a Bikram instructor. And then I went to sell the play and it was worth about 500 quid. <laughs> oh, the deregulation at the yeah, time. Yeah, and oh, I that. went to sell the, but I also bought it for cheap. But I, I thought the car would have been worth a few grand, but I actually think someone took it for 50 quid and dumped it, you know, um, a Toyota Avensis. So I went to Lanzarote then and uh, picked up a magazine in the airport and I was like Colin Farrell is into yoga and I'm like Jesus man will you give me something that's mine <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I went on the holiday and that was grand and I th- maybe I I bought the family dinner because I'd just done the Titanic gig so that was nice because instead of having the hand out uh, which is normally the case but um, then I yeah I came back and lucky enough got the Fair City gig and then it was still in the back of my head to become a yoga instructor but I thought you know what I'll do I'll go and do regular yoga vinyasa flow love it yeah. that kind of stuff do you do a bit? I, a little bit yeah, yeah. just for more to for injury prevention I'm probably okay. the worst uh, yoga participant in the world because okay. I think I kind of do what I'm doing in the gym I push harder instead okay. of just sitting in it and, yeah, and yeah. kind of going with the flow sure sure I think I need to be always going harder yeah yeah but uh, I, love, I love the I love the concept of it yeah man but um, so when when I had a bit of what the great about Fair City is you'd be like you're working for five weeks and then you've got six weeks off so like that's perfect I'm gonna go to India, and uh, just become an instructor you can you can just do a course I actually oh, I met a girl called Julia from Liverpool at a surf camp in Spain <laughs> and she was telling me about this uh, school that she worked for in Patnam Beach in Goa. So I emailed her or Facebooked her and said, what's the crack with that school? I'm off this date to that date. And she's like, no, there's nothing. Those dates don't work for us. But there's another school, Samporna Yoga, a couple of beaches over. It's a lovely area. Go over there. Although there was an unfortunate murder recently. And then anyway, um, that was deadly. I went to Samporna and, and did a month. So you're up at five o'clock in the morning. You're doing meditations. A guy called Sadir, who was uh, our philosophy teacher. What was it? Uh, your smile is your birthright one of his good things I like uh, it yeah man deadly so we do, you do yoga you do anatomy you do we're doing ashtanga every morning as well and I'm toying with the idea of going back this February and doing a 300 hour and today I was even thinking I might just do the 200 hour again anyways when I came back um, I was like right I'll try and get some work but it's quite competitive in Dublin in terms of yoga studios and yoga yeah. teachers and so on and even the style Um, my thing is just do your yoga and then let the yoga be your meditation. Yeah. Whereas there's a kind of a thing in Dublin where the teacher goes on maybe a bit too much about philosophy and opening your heart. And I'm not really into that, to be honest, you know. So I've actually gone back to Bikram now. Right. And the good thing about that is it's 26 poses. And they just generally, the better teachers just talk about where your foot should be and where your hand should be. Okay. But you're so busy doing a pose that you don't have time to think. Course. And that's the meditation. It's course. to empty your mind, you know. Coming from down from your two-story house, staying yeah, downstairs for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like lifting weights or painting. Yeah, like or anything. Or anything. Flow and I like blind boy bangs on a bit. Flow and bangs. stuff. I was yeah, only yeah. listening to a Joe Rogan podcast today, and he had uh, Pierre uh, George Saint Pierre's coaches on, and uh-huh. he was talking about you know the flow and, yeah. and exercise should be done in the flow. Sure, you shouldn't come out at that too easy too hard bit you should be right in the middle and yes. that's where you find your your and same with acting if you're in the middle of a scene and it's going well you you know you're not aware of what you're doing you're just in it you know in the zone as they say in basketball and that's and that's what people talk and i've talked to psychologists and other mm. people they say the benefits the health benefits of exercise is just mm. so great mm. and i'm going no i do exercise as much as 
most people and more yeah. than most people okay. and I don't reap the benefits because I have struggles with my own mental health okay. but what I would say to someone is find something yeah. whether it's painting a wall yes. or drafts yeah, yeah. singing, dancing whatever yes. that creates flow yes. and it gives you that opportunity to have space between your mental health difficulties yes. and quietness yeah man or even cooking you know so just anything that gets you into that yeah. flow state <gasps> yeah and that stops you from the, the monkey mind. The monkey mind. Lo- I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. How's it like them apples? Yeah. I found that. I found a clip on YouTube and I was like, that's just the, that little, that little idea of the, of the little monkey mind is, as, as, yeah. You know, you, you spend years reading books and philosophy, but that just sums it up so well, you know. And you're trying to catch the little fucker. You're like, come yeah. here, come here, come here, come here. I'm trying to fix you. I'm trying to fix you. Get grab his tail, grab his foot. Yeah. And all you want to do is just invite the monkey down for an old sure. banana and a few yeah, biscuits yeah. and yeah. just chill out with you for a yeah. bit. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, as a and and, and people just say to me, but you do exercise. So why are you saying it's not great? For you? No, I'm just saying it's not the great way. Hope yeah. that you might think. Yeah, yeah. I still give the same respect to yoga. Uh, painting art mm, mm. to paint your nails picking a a, a a language that you'd like to learn check this out man I, I was on a riverboat in Holland went over there and played some music uh, years ago and um, we were sitting around drinking tea and uh, we had this conversation about art you know and about life and about wanting to live an artful life and all this kind of stuff and this guy uh, put forward the proposition that uh art is in everything you know it can be in taking a Tom Waits comes to mind like taking apart a, the engine of a car and putting it back together or you know or even even if you were an accountant or you work in a bank or you can put it's kind of almost going to zen you know philosophy too there's art in everything you don't have to separate them do you know there we yeah. are yeah like as I said there's a young in the job a kid that I work with he does a game, you know, and I, and people I've heard people saying, "Oh, you need to get out of the house, yeah, uh, and do get walk and do all these things." Yeah, he's doing something that he absolutely loves, sure, and it takes him away from the difficulty. He has a disability, so that okay. in itself is 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 difficult, challenging, yeah, yeah. So this creates happiness and a mm. time of peace and flow from. Yeah, yeah. Why would you go and tell him to exercise? He probably hates it. It'd be yeah. counterintuitive. I'm like, <gasps> stop the lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm afraid to, to say this now, next thing to you, in case I got this wrong, like I got the other article wrong. No, from what right. I read, yeah. was you, you, you seem to be very grateful in life, any a job opportunities you got. Sure. Because no, I've read a little bit about okay. you over the last thing. Would you practice a lot of gratuity? Or are you a grateful person in life? I'm into, yeah, look, I'm an optimist. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm definitely grateful, man. Every day is a gift in a way, no matter what you do. Uh, and I've been very lucky, like, because it's not easy to etch out a career as an actor. Um, and even the fact that I get to sing music in pubs and and uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 into gratefulness. I, I I practice it, but not consciously. I think I just have a a natural thing towards it. You know, it's interesting you say that because you know a lot of times you know avoid being in a in an eye of a shit storm. You know, and mm. I know you think oh I need to be grateful, I need to practice it. Mm. It comes better and it works better when you just are grateful. Yeah, because I'm a generally grateful person. I'm yeah. grateful you invite me and check off. Cool. I'm grateful for for things I have. Yeah. It's diff- different when you start trying practicing it, rabbit sure. rabbit ears. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the things that drives me is uh, I like to tickle my imagination. You know, that's a nice one. <laughs> yeah. So, so ex- explain that one to me. Just I like I like to be stimulated, like intellectually, and things like that. You know, substance. Yeah, I went to see the Snapper yesterday. Crack Wednesday, you know, oh, man. Where'd you go and see that? In the in the gate. It's like a big oh, the show. Play. The play. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, sound. In fact, the the actress who was 
my technical daughter on Fair City, Kate Gilmore is in it, and Hilda Faye as well. And it's um, it's you know what was funny about it. It's I think there's very few writers who've captured the humor of Dublin, you know, as well as Roddy Doyle. Like it's I don't without know if being done it without since. being insulting, without yeah. stereotyping. It was just seamless. And the twins, every time the twins, like get out, get out, screaming at them. You know what I mean? And yeah, we live yeah. in this world where everyone is a bit maybe kid gloves and a bit too. You should, we should be hitting our children. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it's like no they're, kids they're are hurting in the making of this podcast. Sure, sure. But it just had such heart and such soul. And there was a, there was a scene. I don't know what was going on in my psyche. But when the the elf buys the son a bike, and it, but at first he gives oh, him a bicycle yeah. pump, and then he goes, "We're going to get you a, a thing." And he's like, well, "This has to be a joke." And then he brings out this old bike and goes, "There you go." And he goes, "This has to be a joke." And he goes, "There's the bike." And for some reason, I was just overwhelmed. But like that's just. I don't know i still have to get to the bottom of that like but it, it kind of yeah i know it's typical it's typical uh totes emotion south county dublin you spend too much time out in the ballyback bulls sure uh yeah it's typical dublin isn't it mm. i'll just take the piss out i'm gonna give you something good i'm gonna get me me value out of it yeah i'm gonna rip the piss out of your force yeah, and then yeah. You, you'll appreciate it more yeah this is a bit of a wacky sense of humor dublin you what would you think yeah no i agree man and maybe it's something to do with being a portal town you know with the ships coming in and out and all the different people and all that's like london and amsterdam and all that stuff i don't know and colonialism i was just the blind boy there talking to spike lee about the irish psyche and all that stuff and i've no fucking idea mate so yeah we're yeah blind boy is unbelievable i've been hounding him on facebook and on well not on facebook on twitter yeah trying to get him on the podcast mm. but he's obviously too famous for my podcast but i'll just keep hunting him down yeah man and one day he'd be like a wounded animal and i'll come get him so he's only an old goal what he's only an old goal uh i was down in limerick he inspired me to go to limerick all right cool yeah he's really a great ambassador for the place isn't he me i, yeah. I went to do an interview it's funny how I'm into a collective unconscious yeah, and inter- yeah and I was interviewing a guy in a hospital I was talking to him we were having the chats mm. and he he's seen dead, a black ghost at the end of his bed for five days and he said, oh, no, he said man you need to come on my podcast can I come and interview and all that he said yeah yeah his name is Charles J. Jackson right. famous or what he says I live down in Limerick and I'm like no way man I'm listening to Blind Boy I'd love to go there can I go to your gaff and interview he's like yeah no problem Yeah. so me and my mate rocked down to Limerick done yeah. the interview yeah. it was brilliant and we went on the lash in Limerick no City yeah. one of the best cities I was ever in because we had yeah. like this preconception that oh Limerick Stab City whatever sure. bullshit yeah couldn't get over the the welcome of people, yeah. lads and all. Like you know, you go to the places and lads can be a bit boisterous, a bit yeah. sound, yeah. dead sound. Yeah. Girls, lads, the crack was unbelievable. Yeah, have you been? I haven't for years. I think maybe as a kid or something. Yeah, it's a it's There's brilliant. A I recommend going on. Deadly. TV show they made down there, Night Flyers. No, the guy who wrote um, Game of Thrones. They got one of his earlier books and made it. The, the studio down there oh I can't think of the name of the studio but it used to be maybe a Dell computers factory or something oh yeah and they moved out didn't they they moved out there they, they, lost they built it. this film studio made this big TV show it's actually a, an Just old friend of mine called Owen Mackin who's the, the, the lead role you know yeah so uh, it's great it's great for Limerick it's yeah great. it's dead we, as, be as big as Game of Thrones it'd be alright savage we, we tried to go to that pub pharmacy another one he talks about pharmacy mm. for these tiki cocktails mm. but the time we were going girls were saying nah it's a bit early to go there and then by the time we want was ready to go there, we weren't ready to go there. Yeah, we yeah. weren't. We I think we were, we overshot the runway. Okay, very so, good. So we had to stay put where we were. It was yeah, yeah. Oh, it was savage crack, savage mm. crack. Just uh, 
just when you talk about books there yeah what kind of books are you you see them all there what's your general reading or what what do you go for I've got three or four on the go and I'm always yeah, like that I'm, I'm, I'm not very disciplined when it comes to reading books uh, so I've bought a lot of books that I've read bits of and then never finished and also a friend of mine was moving house once and he gave me three big bags of books so a lot of those books I've never even looked at yeah just for aesthetics. but at the moment I'm reading the, what's it over there The Seven Basic Plots. The Seven Basic Plots? Yeah. What's so all that about? a book about uh, story. Because there's... I'm kind of in talks uh, with Fair City to go in as a writer. Savage. Yeah. So I'm doing a bit of research. And that just basically talks about... Like Star Wars and, and ancient Greek theatre and, and novels. and It just talk, breaks everything down into what a story is and how stories work and things like that. Um, so that's another old string to the bow, huh? Do you yeah. know what? Uh, just from the moment from the moment I talked to you, right to now, there's just like this thread of you'd give anything a go. Your work ethic sure. is phenomenal. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your hole. Right, you're the one smoking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just you'll do anything, grind at anything. Mm. Gra- you're a serious grafter. Yeah. Like the, things again, don't just happen for you. You've, you're making shit happen. I get stuck in, but th- again, going back to that tickle your imagination thing, it's just trying to f- find maybe some sort of meaning, you know, or just some sort of. Just do stuff that you've a passion for, you know. Yeah, but you've you've a combination of this Dublin thing. You've no problem getting your hands dirty and getting sure. your head down and doing the graph, yeah, yeah. but then hoping for the best and, mm. and 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 as you say, being delusional, a positive yeah. delusional, <laughs> which is deadly. Yeah, I, I I don't even do it a lot when I still think I'm going to win it. Yeah, no, that's delusional, isn't it? <laughs> My ma does it, so there's a little bit of a okay. subconscious thing in there. If she wins, I win. Yeah, yeah. Deli, you know, I'm really impressed. Mm. As I say, I'm not blowing smoke behold. Well, I, I love it. it and that's probably the reason why I want to talk. Just like this yeah, dude seems like he's always up to something. Yeah, and I love kinda, that. Yeah, it's it's when you're between gigs, you're a bit like, oh god, I'm not I'm not really up to much at the moment. What am I going to say in this interview? You know, but I think it went okay. Yeah, I've done this course recently. You do this kind of behavioral analysis of mm. what type of person you operate in. You know, there's these certain boxes that you put into, and I'm very random in a lot of them. Okay, and, and it probably sound like you are as well. Okay, yeah, tangential. Yeah, no, I don't mean as in tangential waffling on. Yeah, but I yeah. mean you'll you'll you can bounce from one thing to sure. another, no problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Mm. Uh, the one thing I ask people is, what from this interview? Mm. What's the one thing you'd like people to take away from it? <laughs> bum bum bum. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, uh, this is just off the top of my head. Uh, there's a woman from I think she's from Derry called Jenny. Used to teach. Vikram and she's just get it done just get it done so maybe that's it you know but in like 10 minutes time I'll be like oh I should have said that I should have said that but yeah just get on with it like, you the know tyranny I mean? of should <laughs> I should do this and I should do that yeah, yeah should have could have would have it's just what, yeah yeah that's another one no I think my message to everyone is just get on with it you know try and find a bit of happiness get stuck in see how you go head down arse up sure <laughs> yeah deadly Deadly. Mm. Right, well, unless you've any uh, more pearls of wisdom or you want to, we, we could do like a, a ritual and smash that cup over there, What's the Story podcast cup, uh, then we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Steve Gunn, thanks for coming on the show. You're an absolute legend. You're a legend too, man. Thank you very much. That Namaste. Is, Namaste. Mm. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay, there you go. That wraps up another absolutely fascinating podcast. Well, fascinating for me and hopefully it is for you too. I'm always interested to find out what makes these people tick, you know, actors. I didn't know anything about Steve 
before I done the interview and he came onto my radar because people in the hospital knew him and told me about him. They recommended that he come on the podcast and I started doing some research on him and reading and he wasn't what I expected. I was expecting something different. I don't know what it was, but he's deadly. Like he left me a, a, a voicemail. I had rang him. He was really great with his time. You know, he returned texts on Facebook or phone calls. Deadly. So he left me a, a voicemail one day and it was the strangest. And I don't mean bad. It was just, it wasn't your typical boring, hello, this is such and such. It was really like, you know, it's Steve. And I just rambled on and was got, it was just, I was like, I can't wait to meet this fella. He sounds, it seems dead sound and cool. And he was exactly, Ron Seal, it was exactly what I said in the tin. He invited me over to his gaff to the infield. And he's just a kill, kill guy. He just has this aura about him. He's just kill. And he, not like he tries to be. just nice, real calm and just chilled. And uh, yeah, it was deadly. It was really fascinating interview. And uh, what would I take from it? Took loads from it. I probably have a newfound respect for actors, actually Irish actors, especially ones in Fair City. Because I must be honest with you, Probably years ago, I wouldn't have gave them any credit. Like, not that I know anything about acting. When they go off, oh, the acting in it is poor. And, you know, well, that was like years ago when I probably wouldn't have had any respect for, for, for people's profession. I wouldn't appreciate it till I kind of had to go and do it myself, you know. Uh, the trade is really hard. Trying to make it in Ireland in the, in the acting world seems to be really, really difficult. And as Steve said, someone will have to find lots of different jobs. And, you know, with a lot of respect and as talking to Steve there the journey he's been on taxi driver working with his dad company's company singing he's you know he's always grinding he's always working he's got a fantastic work ethic and a great attitude to just getting his dream living the dream as they say you know uh, I liked the bit in it as well where he pulled me up when I said you know there's musicians in in Ireland uh, if you know about making it and they are making it if you do what you love in between the time you go to bed, you've uh, you've made it. That is actually making it. From the time you wake up, I mean, to the time you go to bed, if you're doing the thing you love, that's called making it. So it's not about going on X Factor or making it to Hollywood, you know. If it's just being in a, a small budget film or singing in your local pub and you're actually loving what you do, that is making it, as they say. So, yeah, that really took me back when I was listening back to the interview when I was editing it. I was like, yeah, wow, that's a great point. And that kind of kind of stuck with me, and I think it's deadly. So there was loads of those little ones in it, and then just his attitude to life was brilliant. So hopefully you uh, enjoyed our podcast as much as I enjoyed sitting there having the chats from. So thanks again, Steve, an absolute legend, and I wish you well in your career. I think you'll go far. You know, I support any Irish actor. I think they're deadly, deadly. Fair play, Steve. Okay, so there we are. That wraps it up. As always, I'll ask you to keep listening. Keep uh, sharing it with your family and friends. We're on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave a delicious review. We really need your reviews. Uh, again, I'll always urge you to mind yourself. Uh, if you practice self, self-empathy, self you'll be a better person. And you can spread love and empathy to other people outside your, your circle, your family and friends. So yeah, I'll always ask you to mind yourself. Actually, do you know what? I read a a story from a book called The Chicken Soup for the Soul by Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. So do you know what? I'll actually read you a little uh, a story from this and it kind of hit home for me about showing empathy towards somebody else. And I think from my own personal experience, when I'm more empathetic towards myself and I'm more loving towards me, 
I'm able to give it out a little more. I am by nature empathetic towards other people but you know yourself when you're not feeling great your your vision your focus becomes more narrow and you just see what's in front of you but when you're in a better place you're able to see if somebody else might need your help or needs a, a, an arm around them so i'm just going to read you this little story it's, it's not something i've ever done before but i just want to share it with you because it was really really powerful so this is called a simple gesture mark was walking home from school one day when he noticed the boy ahead of him had tripped and dropped all his books he was carrying, along with two jumpers, a baseball bat, a glove, a small tape recorder. Mark knelt down and helped the boy pick up the scattered articles. Since they were going the same way, he helped him to carry part of the burden. As they walked, Mark discovered the boy's name was Bill. He loved video games, baseball and history, that he was having a lot of trouble with other subjects too and he had just broken up with his girlfriend. They arrived at Bill's home first, and Mark was invited in for a Coke and to watch some television. The afternoon passed pleasantly, with a few laughs and some shared small talk. Then Mark went home. They continued to see each other around the school, had lunch together once or twice, and then both graduated from junior to high school. They ended up in the same high school, where they had a brief contacts over the years. Finally, the long-awaited senior year came, and three weeks before graduation, Bill asked Mark if he could talk. Bill reminded him of the day years ago when they had first met. Do you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things home that day? asked Bill. You see, I cleaned out my locker because I didn't want to leave a mess behind for anyone else. I had stored away some of my mum's sleeping pills, I was going home to commit suicide. But after we spent some time together talking and laughing, I realised that if I had killed myself, I would have missed that time and so many others that might follow. So you see, Mark, when you picked up my books that day, you did a lot more. You saved my life. Wow. That story really, really touched me in the heart. You know, such a small gesture. And we have that within our skill set. We have that within us. That small gesture could save somebody's life. So what I say is, if you're kind to yourself, you can give it to somebody else and you might have that opportunity to, to save someone's life. Okay, so that's all we have time for. As always, thanks to Noel Riley from Rooney Graphics, Carolyn Harvey from ISA Nutrition, and my crew, Kevin Doyle, Sound and Eden, and Aaron Kyo, Social Media Lodges are Legends. Okay, there you have it. Good luck. Enjoy the show and mind yourself. Take care. Bye-bye.